we can now add another name into a list of important transfer portal visitors for this weekend. Can we get this former Nebraska running back to pick the University of Miami? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen six days, sometimes seven days a week. So, guys, another name who's visiting Miami this weekend, Nebraska running back A.J. Allen is going to be on campus. Uh, Remember, this is a player who uh, was a true freshman last year. So he signed up and committed there to play for Scott Frost. They made the coaching change last season. Allen ultimately in the final hours of the transfer portal being open to enter. uh, He decided right before the midnight April 30th deadline that he was going to step into the portal. And clearly Miami has addressed to him uh, an openness to bring in a portal running back. Because guys, how many times have we talked about this? That yeah, Miami has five really talented scholarship running backs. But two of them are true freshmen who haven't arrived on campus yet. Uh, A couple of them have had injury issues. And then, you know, Henry Parrish Jr. has been kind of the most consistent in that group. But there's not a whole lot of consistency behind him. We could really use somebody like A.J. Allen. And I like this. He has all four years of eligibility remaining, Allen. So it's not really a portal-type pickup if you can get him. It's kind of like recruiting because – He only appeared in four games at Nebraska last year, so he was able to use his red shirt. 5'11", 185 pounds. Uh, So the reason why he ended up red shirting, because he was off to a really nice start last year in the first four games, I don't think they red shirted him by choice. I don't think that was the plan. But he did suffer in the fourth game a season-ending injury. Um, Now, a lot of the reports that I was reading just said he got injured last year, so I didn't know what it was. I did a little digging on what the injury was, and he broke his collarbone. And I don't know. Uh, I'm no doctor, but I kind of take the broken collarbone for a running back. That's not such a bad thing uh, compared to, you know, if he had blown out a knee or something like that. Uh, so he suffered a broken collarbone. He had surgery on last year. That doesn't seem like the type of thing that would impact him long-term, right? Cause sometimes you worry this guy's coming off a knee issue or an ankle issue or Achilles. How's that going to affect him long-term? I don't think the broken collarbone is something that moving forward, you would look at as being an issue for him. So, you know, assuming the surgery went well, he made a full recovery from that. Uh, I would be really excited to add this player. And again, in the four games that he appeared in for the Cornhuskers last year, he was uber productive. He was averaging 5.8 yards per carry over those four games last year, rushed for 190 yards. Somehow, he ended up being Nebraska's second leading rusher last season at just 190 yards in four games played. That probably says more about the rest of the team, but still, he was very productive when he played. And, you know, when you talk about recruiting connections and recruiting circles, so A.J. Allen, this Nebraska running back, he's originally from Monroe, Louisiana. He was a three-star prospect coming out of high school, and Miami has so many coaching connections in the state of Louisiana. Offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson 
He's a South Louisiana guy. He's from down there in the bayou. I'm sure he's instrumental in this recruitment, along with Tim Harris Jr., the running backs coach. And, heck, if you want to get Lance Guidry, the Raging Cajun defensive coordinator, involved in this recruitment as well, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to be a part of that. So there's a big uh, Louisiana contingent on Miami's coaching staff. And A.J. Allen, you know, a fine, fine player, a very well-rounded back. He's a strong receiver out of the backfield. He's got excellent cutting ability and acceleration. So uh, I think he could fit in pretty nicely at Miami. The one thing I don't know so much about Allen, because it's not really that evident in a lot of the footage out there and highlights out there is, you know, how good he is in pass protection. I'm not really so sure about that. There's less film out there to study on that. But I know as a runner and as a receiver out of the backfield, he's really, really talented, really effective. And if this guy can get in open space, He's got moves. He's very hard to tackle. He's going to make guys whiff. He's going to break ankles when he gets to that second level in the open field. So uh, this is someone where obviously we're going to know a lot more about his Miami interest coming out of the visit because this guy has only been in the portal for five days. This is not someone who got in there in you know April 15th and has been kind of hanging around. He didn't decide to enter the portal until very late in the process, but some have told me they like Miami's chances here with A.J. Allen. I'm sure that's going to depend on how this visit goes. Now, another player who's visiting this weekend, we talked a lot yesterday about Shamar Kirk, the Juco wide receiver from Reedley College, who had just a, a really productive season, uh, productive two seasons at Reedley College. Uh, as a freshman at Reedley, he had 45 catches for 782 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, as a sophomore last year, he had 31 receptions for 664 yards and seven touchdowns, including a 90-yard touchdown. But he's also got a, a really compelling backstory. Like, you could do a TV movie about this guy, or you could write, like, a book. Does anyone read books? Yeah, I guess people read books. You could write a book about this dude. Uh, huge shout-out and kudos to Matt Shodell from Kane Sport. Because uh, he had a conversation with Shamar, and he got like the background on his life that I hadn't seen anywhere else. Because all I knew about Shamar Kirk was that he really likes Miami. He's intrigued by Miami. He actually started his visit yesterday, and it goes through Saturday. Uh, and I knew that he was, you know, super productive in junior college, and he put up great numbers and all that. I didn't know the journey that this young man has uh, has come through to get to this point. So he was telling Shodell that. Like he was really immature in his words during high school and he didn't play football every year. Like there were a couple of years where he just chose not to play on the team. He was doing other stuff. And then he joined his high school football team again in the senior season. And by then, I guess he just didn't have enough time to get traction with colleges. He didn't have enough film out there skipping the junior season, hurt him. So instead of playing college football right away, this dude goes into the workforce, Shodell writes. He worked security for two years at a Nissan automobile assembly plant in Smyrna, Tennessee. So despite the fact that this guy uh, had a 4.4 40-yard dash, he ran a 4.4 on record. This dude was working security at a Nissan plant. Uh, he said the job was 5 a.m. till 1 p.m. every day. I'd wake up at 4 a.m., he said. I thought I'd wind up working security someday for my brother, uh, Shedrick Kirk, who played in the USFL. Um, he was able, though, 
uh, to get in touch with the people at Reedley College to get a second chance of football because Reedley was recruiting his stepbrother. So that kind of opened the door for Shamar and Shamar was able to, to try out, get on the team. And then he just ended up being, you know, one of these men amongst boys at the Juco level, like one of those players who just stand out and you can tell like eventually this guy is going to end up in division one or power five. And that's what he's looking to do now. So listen, you know, obviously he had it by his own admission, maturity issues in high school, didn't take his goals and his football seriously enough. At that point, it sounds like he's come to the light and football is now something he takes very, very seriously and working on his own skills and improvement. He takes it incredibly seriously. So uh, I think it'd be a cool story if he winds up on Miami. Hopefully, you know, throughout the next couple of days and the next several hours, we'll, we'll figure out how that visit is going for Shamar Kirk. But I love a good underdog story. I love it. And this guy, I hope he ends up rising to the top. And if he does so as a Miami Hurricane, I would be more than happy with that. Uh, so when we come back, I'm going to open this up to questions from you guys, especially those who subscribe to our subtext chat. I'm going to include a link below on how to subscribe to our exclusive SMS texting service where you guys can ask me one-on-one -on -one questions. I give you guys recruiting updates and scoops. And when we're in season and practicing, I give you guys exclusive practice updates. So I'm going to include a link in the show description below on how to sign up for our exclusive subtext service. Uh, we've got some insight on a cornerback who's going to be visiting and we have some insight on injury situations at Miami. Is anything going to carry over into the season? And if I had to choose one between the two defensive tackles who are visiting this weekend, who would I choose? Keep it locked right here. We're only getting started on Locked on Canes. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever built you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You're not going to think that they're good for you, but you got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? For starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right real chocolate and you can taste the difference guys they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie cookies and cream i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros what's even better is yeah they're healthy only 130 calories just four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com with our code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff, and you can thank me later because I love me some Built Bars. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. And thank you to the everydayers. We will have a weekend episode coming up on either Saturday or Sunday with um, whatever information we have on how some of these visits are going. You know, I mentioned Shamar Kirk, A.J. Allen, the running back from Nebraska. Uh, we've got two defensive tackles visiting this week. Kiwi Rose from Louisiana Tech. Tywone Malone from Ole Miss is visiting. I'm getting some good vibes on that. Amari Wiggins, interior offensive lineman from junior college, who Cristobal and Mirabal seem to really like. He is visiting as well. 
Uh, we get a question from Chalupa Batman, our pal through subtext, who says, hey, are there any injuries from the spring that might carry over into the start of the season? Um, I, I don't think so. Like the, the ones that were, as far as I know, anyway, uh, the, the ones that were suffered like during spring ball, I know that Malik Bryant was dealing with something. I think he's going to be fine. The freshman linebacker, um, you know, you had the, the two guards, the starting guards who picked up something in the warmups of the spring game. Um, I'm not worried about JV on Cohen and Nez Cooper. I think they were held out of the spring game probably for precautionary reasons. Now, as far as, you know, injuries heading into fall camp, honestly, I think as far as I know, the only one that worries me a little bit, I'm not sure where he's at in his recovery because I think he suffered a setback during his recovery uh, at some point uh, is Trevante Citizen. I don't know. I don't know where he's at recovery wise heading into fall camp. Um, Obviously, as athletic as that young man is, he probably recovers more quickly than, you know, average Joes like you and me. So uh, I don't know. But outside of that, the news on Zion Nelson and Leonard Taylor has been really positive. I think Zion is going to be good to go. Probably he's already good to go. Same thing with Leonard Taylor, because he was supposed to be healthy by May and it's May. <laughs> so he should be healthy now. Uh, James Williams, his recovery is going well from that shoulder procedure. He got some work in, in for spring, non-contact. He's coming along fine. Um, you know, Elijah Arroyo, he had the knee injury last year, the ACL, but he's been moving around really well. I saw him at the facility a couple of months ago, and I think his recovery is on track. I think he's uh, going to be fine for fall camp. So um, overall, um, and obviously this can always change once you get around to fall camp, but I think there's mostly been positive news on the injury front. Question from Paul, who says, hey, can you give us some background on the Vanderbilt cornerback who's visiting, Jadaeus Richard, uh, or it might be Jadaeus. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, I'll just call him Jadaeus Richard. I'll just call him Richard. Uh, he says he's a young guy, played, maybe started as a freshman in the SEC East. I'd like a little breakdown on his game and how he fits our room. He says we need younger defensive backs. Numbers there aren't great in three cycles, 2020 through 2022. We have uh, Curtis, Graves, and Harris left. Uh, what does Richard bring to the table? Seems like he had some hype when he first entered the portal. Yeah, this is um, – I, I really like what I see here. At the time when I first saw Paul's question yesterday, I didn't know as much about Jadeus Richard, uh, but I, I've read and watched some of him, and um, the characteristics you have to love. He's six foot two, 197 pounds. So he's got that top end size for a boundary corner. Like you like to have guys who are, you know, uh, he's kind of like girth wise. He's a little bit like Tyreek Stevenson, but even a little bit taller than Tyreek was. So it's always nice to have big corners like Miami does have now Devonte Brown, who's a bigger corner. Damari Brown and Robert Stafford both have good size, especially Damari coming in. You know, Daryl Porter, not as much. He's a smaller guy. So it's nice to have big uh who are also tall and long outside corners and Jadeus Richard he's a Louisiana native so you know Lance Gidry has got to be all over this in recruiting he wants to basically turn Miami into a big Mardi Gras parade with all the Louisiana guys that he recruits so and you know um Lance Gidry also has the background uh specifically safeties but a background coaching defensive secondary so I'm sure he's going to be very involved in Richard's recruitment um, I don't exactly know where Miami stands for him among other competitors, but 
uh, you know, coming out of high school, just based on his characteristics, Richard was considered to have NFL level potential. He hasn't reached that obviously yet only one year out of high school, but here's the thing that I like most about Richard in his, you know, one season at Vanderbilt last year, he had his best game by far against the Florida Gators. That made me smile. 52 snaps in that game. Uh, had season-high grades as both a tackler and in coverage in that game against Florida. So he saved his best stuff uh, for one of the teams that I despise most. So hopefully Miami could get some good news on that front. Um, question from Ulm Him or ULM Him 24-7. I feel like I'm butchering that. I apologize. Uh, he says, hey, if you had to pick one between the defensive tackles who are visiting, Kiwi Rose from Louisiana Tech or Tywone Malone from Ole Miss, who would you take and why? Um, he actually asked two questions, but I'll start with that one. Uh, that that's um that's a tough question. I'd like to take them both, but I think that would be a cop-out of an answer. So here's the dilemma. Rose has, I think, a year less of eligibility compared to Malone. Um, he's got a lot more experience having started 35 games, whereas Malone was not a regular starter uh, at, uh, at Ole Miss last year. And Rose, they're both similar in size, right? Kiwi Rose, you know, put up better stats, but he was also playing against lesser competition because Malone was in the SEC and, you know, Rose was playing at uh, Louisiana Tech. What is that, Conference USA? So it's uh, or AAC. Uh, I always get those two mixed up. So obviously the competition wasn't there. You know, Malone was the more highly touted guy coming out of high school, of course. So you could argue there's more potential there. And he's, you know, a year younger, which also, uh, you know, goes into that potential. And if Malone comes, he could also help your baseball team. <laughs> you know, he could maybe be a DH. This guy hits the cover off the ball. He's a really strong power hitter. So um, it, it's like you, you could definitely, and I know I was having a Twitter discussion about this with one of our listeners yesterday. Like you could totally argue that Kiwi Rose is like a better player that people are not going to be as hyped about because he, you know, comes from outside the power five, but still, I think maybe there's just more potential and an extra year of eligibility for Taiwan Malone. So I don't know, man, if I, if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably lean to Malone, but I think. I'll say this, if Miami comes out of the weekend landing either of them, I'll be happy. If Miami comes out of the weekend landing both of them, I'm going to be ecstatic, okay? And, you know, the Hurricanes have seven or eight spots open to fill scholarship-wise before next season. I don't think it would be malpractice if you use two of those spots on defensive tackles because I think you need more depth for the rotation there and – either of those guys who I just mentioned could potentially start on that defensive line. So um, yeah, I would be fine taking both, but if Miami only lands one or the other, no matter who it is, I'm going to be pretty happy about it. Um, let me see. So his second question is out of the five or six wide receivers, the hurricanes are looking at who would you take and why? Uh, I think I would take anyone who says, yes, I want to come here. <laughs> It's wide receiver, wide receiver recruiting and portal. It's just been so difficult. Like, you know, it, now like Xavier Henderson looks like he's trending to Cincinnati. I think his father really wants him to be a Bearcat. Uh, so I, I think that's taken a lot of Miami's momentum away. Uh, Keon Coleman. 
doesn't seem like he's interested in Miami, and he's visiting Florida State this weekend, Keon Coleman from Michigan State. So at this point, if he's not even really looking at Miami, you just kind of have to hope he doesn't pick Florida State is kind of where I'm at on that one. Um, you know, I, I still like Zachary Franklin from UTSA, and you know, I've talked about Shamar Kirk, who's visiting, who I like. I think you know a lot of these names who I mentioned are you know m- maybe not you know surefire starters, but people who can raise the floor of your receiving room and uh, and are capable of playing on the outside. So I'm not that I'm, with defensive tackles. I'm I'm being a lot pickier about who I'd like to take, but at wide receiver, it is I, I need a warm body. Like I need somebody to say, yeah, I want to come to Miami. So I appreciate the questions. Uh, we've got some on how Miami can succeed with smaller wide receivers uh, and a question about who Miami's next recruit might be. So we got more coming up, folks. And again, if you want to join our exclusive subtext SMS community, that's a great way to, to get your questions answered either one-on-one through the SMS chat or on the shows. Uh, we do answer Twitter questions as well. Make sure you follow our show on Twitter at Locked On Canes, because if you follow us at Locked On Canes, we will follow you back, and you can follow my personal as well at Alex Dono. We're only getting started here. Keep it locked to Locked On Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. And to the everydayers, we will have a weekend episode on either Saturday or Sunday talking about these big transfer portal visits that are going on this weekend. Uh, we get a question from Todd B who says, Hey, what does our offense do with lots of fast, smaller receivers? How creatively do we work around this issue? Um, I definitely trust Shannon Dawson to navigate that more than I trusted Josh Gaddis to navigate that. Um, you know, I encourage you guys to go back to our episode a couple days ago with Malik Rozier. Cause he so well explained how the air raid can really benefit wide receivers with the mesh concepts that Dawson is going to bring to the table. And so a big thing about it is when you're talking about six foot four, six foot five receivers, and Miami has some of those. Colby Young is six foot five. Isaiah Horton is six foot four. Miami does have some size at their disposal, but you're right. They have a lot of those six foot five eleven type of guys um Kevin Beard can really help them with their route running fewer contested balls because yeah the six foot five guys they can fight for those 50 50s in a way that the five foot 11 guys can't but a big part of the air raid offense is finding the green grass and finding the open space so that takes some of the disadvantage of a lack of height away and being able to sharpen your route running and recognition under Kevin Beard I think it's going to help these guys succeed. So hopefully they can turn a lack of size into a little bit less of a weakness for some of Miami's receivers. Cause yeah, they're, they're loaded up with guys who are not blessed with that sort of size, like uh, Xavier Restrepo and Brashard Smith and Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington. They're not six foot four, six foot five, you know, Jacoby George is a little bit longer, but he's not quite as tall as some of those other guys that I mentioned. So they've got to find a way to scheme around that. I appreciate the question. We get this question from Scotty. Scotty says, what is your record prediction as of right now for the season? Scotty, you got to learn the rules. Scotty doesn't know that we don't make record predictions in May. Scotty, uh, I'm, I'm all I'll say again, all I'm going to say about the record is they're going to be better than five and seven. I haven't decided how much better, and I'm not going to make any predictions until the week before the regular season starts. 
day, two days, three days before the Miami-Ohio game that we open up the season with, Miami versus Miami. That's when I'm going to make a record prediction. I have not decided yet. I think they're going to be better than five and seven. That's all I'm going to say. Don't tell Scotty. Scotty doesn't know yet that we don't make these predictions this early, okay? But, Scotty, I love you. I appreciate the question anyway. He clearly didn't know that we have a rule about not making predictions in May. Question from David, uh, who says, who is likely next to commit to Miami in recruiting? So, okay, if you're talking recruiting and not transfer portal, because I think in the transfer portal, I think Miami could get one of those defensive tackles this weekend. And I feel pretty good about Amari Wiggins, the interior offensive lineman, that he might potentially commit soon. But if we're talking 2024 recruiting, um, I think it could be one of these two. I have a pretty good feeling about Ricky Knight, the third defensive back from the Benjamin School in Palm Beach. I dropped a Dono ball for him to Miami a while back, and I feel very good about uh, Miami potentially landing Joseph Ionata, interior offensive lineman from Calvary Christian in Clearwater, who I think recently locked in an official visit for Miami this summer. But you never know. He might even he might not guaranteeing it, but he might potentially even verbally commit before he takes his official visit to Miami. Sometimes players do that. Uh, we get a, another question from David who says, what other transfers would be of interest to Miami that we haven't talked about yet? Um, so okay, out, out of guys, we haven't really talked about because we brought up a couple more on this episode. Uh, Larry Nixon, the third, he's a linebacker graduate transfer out of North Texas. Who's visiting this weekend. Um, like he kind of said initially Miami was his surefire favorite, but he, and they still might be, but other schools have gotten in the mix because he's also getting looks from Texas A&M, Oregon state, West Virginia and Auburn, but he's going to get a better look at Miami this weekend. We, we haven't talked about Nixon as much, uh, just because, uh, you know, linebacker to me is not as big of a need as some of the other positions that we talk more about. That's why we haven't talked a whole lot about Nixon, but he is visiting this weekend as well. We get this question on Twitter from Thanos, who says, is FS Pooh and Mike Norvell, is Norvell out recruiting Mario in the transfer portal? They seem to hit on players that make more of an impact. I would like us to get more of the free agent type players than just a portal player like Lee and Cohen. I'm not sure what he means about Lee and Cohen, uh, but okay. Yes, Florida State. Yeah, they are. I have no problem admitting Florida State is out recruiting Miami in the transfer portal right now. But it's not rocket science because Florida State won 10 games last year and Miami won five. That makes a difference. All right. When you're talking about transfer portal players, because a lot of these guys in the transfer portal only have a year or two of eligibility left and they're leaving the place that they're leaving a lot of them to try and go somewhere else where they have in their minds, a better chance to win and compete for championships. And Florida state just won 10 games. Miami won five. So you can understand why, you know, Norvell is, uh, is doing pretty well in the portal right now. Uh, you know, Florida, and it's not like Miami's not doing as badly in the portal as some people think like the hurricane, cause they're bringing in a lot of quality. They have a four-star average of players that they're bringing in through the portal to this point. Miami ranks 15th in the portal, according to 24-7, and Florida State ranks fifth. So there's no doubt Florida State is crushing it. But Miami's still in the top 15, and if they land a couple commits this weekend, I think Miami could be in the top 10 in portal recruiting by the time the weekend is over. So, yeah, Norvell right now, is uh, he's out 
he's outdoing Mario in the portal, but um, you know, it's I think Miami's doing really well for a team that went five and seven last year. So I want to offer a huge thank you to you guys. Um, again, fun weekend coming up. We're definitely going to have an episode this weekend for the everydayers talking about transfer portal arrivals. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods, make sure you subscribe. And if you can take a couple minutes, leave us a five-star review. Because when we get those five-star reviews on the audio podcast, we like to shout those out whenever we can. So make sure to subscribe on your favorite audio platform. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the like button. Smash that thumbs up on this video. And we will talk to you guys again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.